Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we discuss the FedEx Cup playoffs, possible Ryder Cup captain's picks, and have a chat with two-time PGA Tour winner, James Hahn. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and today we are coming to you live from the Northern Trust at the Ridgewood Country Club. I'm joined by Joel Beal. Uh, Joel, let's talk first before we get into the Northern Trust and the FedEx Cup. Let's talk a little bit about Brant Snedeker. A really impressive performance by him at the Wyndham Championship, obviously winning the tournament, shooting 59 on that first day. And he kind of entered into the Ryder Cup discussion kind of out of nowhere. This was a guy who was really off in the wilderness the past year dealing with the rib ailment. Uh, went away to Indonesia to try to make the Masters. That's how kind of fall off yeah. the grid. He, he's fallen off, then shoots at 59. And, yeah, he, he's still definitely on the outside looking in. But this is a guy who has Ryder Cup experience, played really well in Hazeltine. I think 3-0 record in 2016 a guy who's very well respected mm-hmm. uh, a veteran if uh, you know i think a lot of people accept that even if tiger and phil make the Ryder cup team as captain's picks a veteran still might be used for one of those third or fourth picks so uh snedeker is right there with matt kuchar and zach johnson to fill that requisite pick um and given his putting and if you look at the current u.s roster the one area they're really short on is kind of on the green so he fills that void, and they certainly could do a, a lot worse than Brant Snedeker as a captain's pick in my yeah, mind. Yeah, you mentioned putting. It's funny because we talk about the rosters and the experience and everything else, but it comes down to who makes the most putts that week at the mm-hmm. Ryder Cup. That's who wins. And Brant Snedeker, I mean, for the past decade, has been arguably the best putter on tour. Obviously, Jason Day maybe the past few years, but over the entire decade, you, you might go with him first. Obviously, you know, Luke Donald maybe. Um you're right. A guy like that who can make putts seems like he'd be a dangerous weapon with the experience, not only with the experience, but he's he's played well mm-hmm. when he's gotten a chance in these events. You mentioned how well he's liked. Um, yeah, to me, it seems like this is kind of, uh, you know, this isn't we're not making a stretch here. This He really could be on Furyk's radar and should be. Yes, he should be. Yeah. Without out. And uh, not only the putting, but he just got a very complimenting personality some of these got like the uh, justin thomas or jordan speed or patrick reed they're very excitable that, yeah. that's good but it can also backfire at certain times right. especially when you're going to be on enemy territory and make no mistake the the fans in france are going to be rowdy so yeah. having someone like snedeker to calm people down i, I think it's a it's a plus um yeah i i think as long as he doesn't totally bomb out here in these first two weeks he should be right there in the running now the winning putt he didn't need it he made it did that putter drop the ball wasn't even in the hole yet you know we don't think of him as kind of this you know throwing around swagger all over the place but that was pretty impressive i like that i like that celebration it was it was very emotional and you saw even after the fact he was crying after after yeah. he won because again this was a guy who it's funny aaron hills he had a nice little run there at uh, at the u.s open and then really when his game was at its best till he was taken away from with his rib injury he even admitted that he wasn't quite sure he's played really bad golf the past four or five months and so he really started regaining at the end of june um to for a guy at his age i think he's what 38 now 37 38 uh, to kind of regain that after you're thinking it might be just totally gone uh, i i totally get it it was it was like you mentioned this is a guy who's a pretty even keeled disposition but to see that wave of motion come over was really cool and makes these tournaments like the windham you know not exactly coming past the a major championship may have been a lot of people skip, but it really shows you that these tournaments still mean a lot to a heck of a lot of guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Now, you know, obviously, whenever the guys get picked as captain's picks, everybody jumps and looks at the, the ranking um, of where they were. Obviously, Brent Seneca is going to be way down the list, but isn't that something that you should almost throw out, especially if, if you want the hot hand there? Obviously, they're not doing that last-minute captain's pick like they did last time with Ryan Moore, mm-hmm. but... You are kind of waiting a while to make these picks. Shouldn't you be leaning on recent, recent events and not looking at a list that goes back two years? That's the whole point of this, right? right. No offense to Bubba Watson, who's won three times this year, but he's been ice cold the past four yep. months. And this is a guy who was an automatic pick by a pretty wide margin. Yep. So um, really, he's the only guy on the on the U.S. roster who's kind of coming in cold. Although 
Ricky Fowler with this injury all of a sudden is a bit of a wild card. It'll be That's interesting to see what they do there. But, uh, yeah, the whole point of these captain's picks is to maybe get someone in who good play hasn't been reflected in, like you mentioned, this two-year ranking. So, yeah, it, you're going to have detractors no matter who the pick is. If it's a young gun, they're going to say it should be a veteran. There's going to be people, someone's like Matt Kuchar, that they should have gone Tony Fina out of the lake. So each pick is going to come with it a host of questions. But even in that breath, I think Snecker is actually one of the, the few picks that not a lot of people are going to be upset by. Yeah, and it's funny because we mentioned the ranking and it's this two-year thing, but it's not really two years because it only counts the majors and the WGCs and the players from the year before. And, you know, uh, this uh, official world golf ranking guru, Nosferatu, figured out on uh, Twitter that what the teams would be if they only counted this year. And a lot of people will be surprised to know, but Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth wouldn't have been in the top eight if you just took this year. And you think, why should something, why should Jordan Spieth's um, you know, British Open win even really count as much as a Brent Seneker win at the Wyndham. I mean, it would just happen when I'm not saying Brent Seneker should be on the team over Jordan Spieth, but I'm just saying, you know, you look at some of these people who are quote automatics, and then you say, well, they're only automatics because we're counting what they did the year before. So, and even this year, the U.S. got lucky. Now, granted, it worked out in 2016, but Jimmy Walker and Zach Johnson kind of, or I should say, Jimmy Walker in 2016 really came out of nowhere to win that PGA. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was 125 to one odds yeah. uh, going into Baltic Stroll, and if he doesn't win there, it was coming nowhere close to the team. Right. And Zach Johnson kind of earned his way in from that 2015 win at St Andrews. Yep. So, yeah, not only the two-year window, but just this. It's funny the emphasis just on these four tournaments that could have a major effect yeah. for this thing that's supposed to reflect two years of performance. So. Uh, yeah, for, for people who worry that Will Snicker hasn't been there all year, well, that's that's the whole point of these captain's picks. It's supposed to reflect the guy right. coming in hot. Now, you did a piece, and you went pretty deep with 10 possible captain's picks. Um, obviously, Tiger and Phil are locks, right? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about – when we're talking about all these options, there are really only two spots out there, let's be honest. So of for those two spots – Right now, where where would you look if you were Captain Jim Furyk? I do think part of the equation is looking what you already have on the roster. Okay. So, uh, as I mentioned in the piece that there is this idea that you need another veteran. The problem is that if you're already taking Tiger and Phil, you're taking two 40-year-olds yeah. with yeah. two of those captains picks. So, at that point, uh, not to say nothing of guys like Dustin Johnson who – you know, been around Bubba Watson. And even the young guys have a lot of experience. Yeah, Jordan Spieth is making already his sixth Team yeah. USA appearance at 25 years old. So this is not like Europe has the exact opposite problem. Now there are eight projected picks. Five are going to be making their first Ryder Cup appearance. So uh, in that vein, you have to understand, so what do we need? I, as I mentioned, Snedeker, there's really very few good putters. If you look up and down the list of, of what t- Team USA has, I mean, Ricky Fowler, it's been okay. Webb Simpson's been really good in the short game. But other than that, there's been a, very, a lot of guys streaking on the green. So I think Snecker helps fill that void. Someone like Bryson DeChambeau, I know he's a bit of a, a lightning rod, but he, from tee to green, is one of the best players. He, he's a guy who, uh, frankly, uh, you know, if he had a better, if he made the weekend at, at Bell Reef, he's probably on the team. So it was rough. Um, also, I think he's a guy who, I don't think he's hated by any means, but he can, can't can get under yeah. guy's skin, which is something I think you want at this event, especially against the other team. Um, the fact that he's friends with Tiger, or at least his yeah. playing partners with him, I think you have to put that in, in, into at least some credit. So out of those two picks, I think Bryson is one of them. At that point, I think it probably comes down to someone like Snedeker and even Kevin Kisner, another really yeah. good short game guy who really acquitted himself well last year at Liberty National, very well liked by his fellow players. Has a little bit of that bulldog red ass you want in a, in a Ryder Cup player, and, and someone not easily, you know, he, he he's a guy who, yeah, we look at him as his laid back, but he's got a little fiery side to him, which yeah. you want in these competitions. So I think those are the guys you're really looking at. Um, I know Brian Harmon's still in there. Tony Finau. Tony Finau probably needs a win. Oh, a couple a couple good showings won't do him. Same with Xander Shoffley. Xander might even need two wins to I, really get the deal I was going to say, I think I think Xander needs to do something pretty incredible to get back onto this short list mm-hmm. i think Finau, it was a very weird performance at bell reef but yeah. how many birdies did he make 10, 10. 11 except he tied the record yeah, for most reason i mean you know in a four four ball with, 10 birdies 
that's kind of what you like. That's not what you like to see. Playing with Jim Furyk, which right. was, which which was, was something, some, some pressure. At the same time, though, I think that also underlines what Tony Finau is right now. He has these highlights, and we tend to stick to that. And the problem is he was nowhere near the leaderboard. He made That's the true. weekend. But, yeah, but, but, but he was the only player to finish in the top ten at the first three majors. He was, yeah. So, and it's only one of them off a dislocated ankle. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think you do look at him, and again, the one that really sticks out to me is just the one tour win at an alternate event, and that's yeah. that's I think that's still a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Uh, again, could change his fortunes here though with a, with a good, uh, good two week, three weeks, I should say. Um, but he's a guy who I think really needs a couple top fives to solidify his case. Man, it is so tough because right, you, we, we're talking about. I thought Finau should make it. Now I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. Because, again, we're talking about if there's only two spots. If there were four spots, Finau would make it. But uh, Finau, Kisner, what he's done at, at the majors in particular in the last year. I mean, back-to-back PGAs being up there, the British, he was up there. Um, just very solid player, gets along with guys, had that great rapport with Phil Mickelson at yep. the President's Cup, doing the Three Amigos dance, whatever else. Um, I think Xander's out, again, unless he turns it on. I, mean, he needs to I think Snedeker's really leapfrogged him. I and think then, Snedeker's leapfrogged Kuchar, if you're trying to look and, at the and guys. Exactly, and I Matt think Kuchar's Snedeker, a name who... It's funny. He's had a bit of a down year for him. We think of Kuchar. I mean, yeah. Kuchar has been a very steady presence for the yeah. past seven, eight years. Not quite the performance we're used to seeing out of him. But that right. being said, he was such a stalwart that I think he was still thrown in there as a veteran's pick. Right. And I think people were a little uneasy about that. Zach Johnson as well, who's had a decent summer, but not nothing what we've seen from him in the past. I think all of a sudden now, if you are going that veteran route, which even though we said they might need it, it's not saying Furek won't utilize it. I think Snedeker is a little bit easier of a, a digestible pick given how he's played as, as of late. And it's not just, excuse me, not just Wyndham. He's had four top tens now in his last yeah. eight starts. So he is coming with a little bit of momentum. I agree. And I think we talked about this. I think Kuger, there's a chance he winds up getting Tiger's vice captain, mm-hmm. assistant captain spot. There, Then he gets to go. He gets to play the ping pong, everything else. But he's not actually on the team. Um, and then, yeah, Bryson DeChambeau, I thought he was going to make it automatically, first of all didn't then i thought he would definitely be picked because of this budding relationship with tiger i mean you know maybe that's a guy tiger plays with in foursomes mm-hmm. such a great more much more reliable off the tee than tiger that's, certainly that's a big question mark if you look at tiger part of it is he was such an intimidating presence for so many years that his team record's not that yeah, great exactly. singles very good, but team record not great. Bounced around with so many different guys, and, and, he, and if you look at those names too, there's some bad. Hit, don't stand the test of time. Chris um, Riley. <laughs> now, as much as these Phil Mickelson practice rounds have been heightened, I'd be very surprised if they yeah. play together. I uh, mean, it's best ball or four ball. It's it's possible. But it how wild be. those guys are both off the tee. I don't think you can afford putting that in the same group. Yeah. Just, just for the safety of the people, the people of France. That well, could, right. and, and keep in mind, this is in France. They're not setting up the course like they want. It's not going to be no. like Hazel team where they just grip it and rip it. No, they're really going to put the it. emphasis on accuracy. If you Def- look at up and definitely. down, really outside of Rom and Rory, most of those guys are straight ball hitters. Yeah. So they're going to play to that. And another reason why you want somebody like Snedeker or, yeah. or Kevin Kisner on the team. All right. Well, we've still got a few more weeks for that. Let's talk more about Tiger Woods himself. Uh, he's make, made his first appearance again today since that stirring, uh, thrilling, emotional, inspirational, whatever you want to call it, Sunday at Bell Reeve. You were there. I wasn't. I was tearing up at home. I mean, it was unbelievable. And he looked like he was in pretty good spirits today. He's right back out there. He's about to kick off a really potentially busy stretch of golf. Um, what do you think about his schedule coming up and, and how he sounded today? I'm already looking forward to, first of all, the Golf Channel retrospective in like 20 years when you're one of the talking heads talking about this and you just start tearing up on camera. It's going to be fantastic. Only thing I have to look forward to in the future. Um, but no, you're right. There's going to be a lot of golf. If if he makes it to Eastlake, with right now he's in decent position to do so, and if he makes the Ryder Cup as a player, that's five tournaments, in, or five events, I should say, in six weeks. Yeah. That's a pretty strong six and eight, really, if you count the PGA. Yeah. Um, it's, that's it's a, huge. It's that's a lot as, of golf. as much as he ever did in his prime. I mean, should, even better than that, if you want to add the an, an Akron on there as well. That's right. that's a lot of golf wow. for a guy who, let's be honest, is still, I know he's X amount of tournaments back in this comeback. It's still less than a year uh, into this. So, uh, so far, I will say he doesn't look tired. I know at the weekend in 
at Firestone, people looked like, oh boy, is, is Tiger running out of gas? He's stiff, he's tired. Obviously showed at the PGA Championship that's not the case, but this is going to be a real test playing in Jersey in August. Temperatures are supposed to be, I think, in the low 90s here yeah. this week. Uh, then goes to Boston, of course, that's not, he's had success on, but yeah. it can, can wear guys down as well. So, uh, in good position, it'll be interesting. I, personally, I don't think this course sets up for him that well. We, as we saw the course a couple weeks ago, the yeah. rough is something Exa- fierce. I to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but that being said, when you played last time you played, you still got T12. So, uh, it, it, as it always is, it'll be it'll be fun to see what Tiger has in the docket. But yeah, really going these next couple of weeks, not only to sit, if you're playing East Lake, but how this translates to the Ryder Cup. You know, it's funny. He was asked about his busy schedule, and maybe it was just me. But I thought it was weird the way he phrased it. He said, yeah, I'm, he goes, I'm committed to play the first three events. And he didn't say I'm playing. In the, I don't know. I, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But is there a chance that especially if he well, – either if he has a really poor performance and gets a little stiff or whatever, needs five ice bats after each round, or he wins one, maybe we see him drop one of these next two after this i mean is that still a possibility for for someone who wants to see this guy come back and stay back i'd prefer that he not play all three of these events put it that way it would be interesting because he would almost need not grant again we both not only we a lot of people in the game think he's already on the Ryder cup team so let's say if he has two iffy performances furick says listen you're on the team i think you need to sit out Basically, the last if he mean if he sits out the third event, that knocks him out of East Lake. So yeah. that would be a tough swallow, um, not only for the game, but I mean Tiger's a competitor. Even if that's yeah. the best case for him, I can still see him being stubborn and saying, "Listen, I, I want to play." Um, if he does win, however, which let's be honest, big if, big if, especially this week. At that point, yes, I could see him taking off maybe the BMW to get a little bit of rest. That way, you would have a two week respite before the Tour Championship, then going to France. It's, it's a possibility that was floated, and I'm with you. The way he turned that phrase, it was interesting, but at the moment I think maybe we're just reading a little bit too much into it. Um, let's talk about this course, Ridgewood, which we had the pleasure, sort of pleasure. Was it a pleasure? Right, sort of, of playing on media day, what was that, two weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. It was, at least for me, easily the thickest, juiciest rough I've ever played in. Uh, our caddy was an assistant pro. He was basically apologizing throughout the round. I mean, we were losing balls that were a yard off the fairway. Um, we called it Roughwood. That's we, we renamed the course Roughwood because of it. What do you? We we walked out there a little today, Joel. It, it looks like they cut it. They were mercifully they cut it a little, but it still looks pretty juicy out there. I just hope our boss Sam isn't listening to this. He might be having PTSD thinking about that round. And I love Sam. He's he's changed my life. This is a this is a job I never thought I'd have. But it was really dis- disconcerting to see how that guy was playing during that day. It was it was a, it was a tough day for all of us watching. You were standing next to him on the range. I mean, he shanked every shot. So he actually did a lot better on the course. He, he got it together to, but. Yeah, it, was, way, we, it, was it should be noted we still beat you and Mr. Powers on the, in the four ball match. So, well, you had a great, you had a great game. But um, going back, you were, you, were, you were hitting fairways down the stretch because again, you were in the rough. It was you were dead. That's one thing people have always said about my game, just you know, straight shooter. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, the two things that really have have correlated to the, this this high rough, well, three really. One, it's been a very wet summer up here in, in Jersey, so they haven't been able to really cut the grass much, at least according to our assistant pro. Another thing is they actually had a disease catch the rough earlier in the spring, and because of that, they had to sod a lot of the areas. So to really let the grass get thick and grow and and come into place, they had to let it go in a sense. So I was surprised when we were walking the course that they hadn't really trimmed it back yet. Now, perhaps they'll do that on on, on Wednesday morning, but from what it seemed like, it still as gnarly as it was. And third, and you'll see this at other courses, but if you look at the past few times this, this site has hosted the tournament guys have gone low here and it sounds like the membership wants to see that number get a little bit lower now granted guys who superintendents don't have that much say over it but they can kind of do what you know they can there are certain things they can do to facilitate those environments so i think those three have kind of transitioned into this plane but man you walk there's not much room to miss there's the, the, the trees aren't that much of a factor but if you miss the fairway 
you're not necessarily punching out, but man, you're not advancing the, the ball that much further up the up the course. Yeah, we think of these uh, northeastern country clubs as these tree line courses, and yeah, you're right. The trees are here, but they're not really they're as not in play. play. They kind of just much, frame the hole, which right. I like. Yep, but the rough comes way further out than that, mm-hmm. and it's definitely. Um, I don't know. You know. There's not a lot of easy holes out here. And it's not short. It's not like these guys can be right. taking the irons off, off, off tee boxes to stay in the fairway. So it's going to require a lot of drivers, which is a reason why I think this might not be the greatest setup for Tiger. I agree 100%. I, I, I don't think this is a great setup for Tiger. I also didn't think Bell Reeve was a great setup this, for I'm Tiger, with you. though. I'm and with look you. what he did. Um, yeah, so I guess who who is this a great setup for? Who, who do we kind of – are we looking for this week? I mean – Francisco Molinari, actually, while I was walking the course, though, this is something that I think sets his game up. Even Webb Simpson as well, the guy who's had a very consistent year. I think a lot of people have just said, well, he had that player's run. Yeah. And then, but if you look at his performance in the majors, I mean, he was there at every tournament. Um, you know, nothing necessarily you know, in the running for the win, but a lot of T15s, a lot of top 20s. Uh, I, I think if this winning scores around six or seven under, this fits his game well. Patrick Reed's a guy who we really haven't heard much from him since Shinnecock. Um, I think this suits his game well. Jordan Spieth will be the really interesting one because if you look at the tournaments he's won throughout his career, it's not when guys go really low. It's when par is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said about the grinding it out. And for a guy who's had a bit of a lost season, this would be a, a really good way to turn his uh, season around. In, in some ways, uh, I, I know he finished second here last year, but obviously Glen Oaks, not a lot of similarities between those two, but um, has seemed to have a pretty good track record in the New York area. So I, I think Spieth is a guy you'll be, people will surprise this. He'll surprise people this week. Yeah, Spieth, I mean, he's definitely got a- added motivation in these next few events. He does not, I know he's now gone more than a calendar year without winning, which is the first time in his life or whatever, but he doesn't want to go, sorry, not a calendar, he's gone more than 12 months. He doesn't want to go a full calendar year without doing it. That would be, I mean, kind of shocking for a guy who's, you know, just turned 25, who's done so much at such a young age. He, he definitely has a lot to, to play for these last few events. Um, I know, again, we mentioned, you know, he was obviously going to be on this Ryder Cup team, but he wants to prove that, He's still not only on the team, but one of the stalwarts of the team mm-hmm. as well. I think he's got a lot to prove. I'm actually looking at a couple Englishmen this week, uh, Justin Rose and Paul Casey. Uh, I, I just think this is a course that helps both of them. Kind of, you know, great, uh, you know, powerful drivers, but also pretty accurate with the, with that club. Uh, you know, I think a winning score this week is maybe – Something it's not going to be a shootout, kind of like no. what you mentioned, which which helps speed. I think it's more in that eight to ten range. I think that's where we saw a Casey win the Valspar. Yep. I think that's where that's kind of Rose's comfort. And uh, he's had a really good well. track record at the FedEx Cup the past couple oh, years as well. He's a monster in the FedEx Cup. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of looking at both of those guys. Um, now another guy who's coming in very under the radar hasn't had a great season by his measure even he doesn't count a great season unless he wins a tournament which he's done a couple times as james han um we had a, the pleasure of having a nice chat with james ahead of this week's tournament we talked about his you know his couple of his big wins obviously when he beat dustin johnson at riviera in a playoff uh, and paul casey we talked about his days selling shoes at, at a nordstrom to kind of make ends meet and uh you know, talked about a bunch of other things, uh, including even, you know, some of his comments earlier this year about some of the, the fans, the rowdy fans out on tour. So which could be an issue this week, let's be honest, uh, in the New York area. So anyway, please uh, have a listen to our talk with James Hahn. It's my pleasure to welcome James Hahn, two-time PGA Tour winner, to the podcast. James, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's start. Obviously, it's the FedEx Cup playoffs, the Northern Trust. You are entering the playoffs this year, number 79. What What's your sense of how your year has gone, and, and how are you feeling coming into this final stretch? Uh, you know, the year's not over, so it's hard to really assess how the year has gone. Um, up until this point, a little disappointing. Um, feel like I've had a couple chances to win golf tournaments and haven't. Um, 
lost in a playoff in Sony, uh, was playing really good in the West Coast swing, didn't pick off any of those events. And so for me, it's, you know, it, I kind of uh, see successful seasons as how many trophies I have in my trophy case. Um, I only have two, so I feel like I've only have had two successful seasons. Hmm. Uh, but the year's not over. Uh, four, it's hopefully four more events uh, where I could hoist one or two or more trophies. Sure. Dirt. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but Billy Horschel, when he won in 2014, he entered the playoffs number 69. You're number 79. So, okay. is that There's a chance? Is that, yeah, exactly. I mean, is that something to. You were talking about getting in the top 30, but I mean, you legitimately, anybody who makes it into the field really does kind right. of have a chance. Absolutely. I feel like uh, anyone who wins a playoff event yeah. has a chance leading up until Eastlake. Um, you know, I think. Uh, my mountain is a little higher to climb than some of the other guys uh, because I'm not inside the top 10 already. Uh, but winning a golf tournament, you're getting four times points, mm -hmm. uh, and it'll leapfrog you all the way inside the top 10, I believe, um, even a guy in, in my position. And if I'm 10 going into the Tour Championship, I have a legitimate chance of winning uh, the FedEx Cup. So it all starts with... Um, finishing high enough in the first couple playoff events to where I can give it a run in the last two. Uh, so, yeah, just looking forward to a good week. It seems like you have a decent grasp, at least, of the numbers, of the system, of the math. There's, you know, there have been some complaints through the years that people don't know what's going on. Do you, do you find it difficult to know what's going on? Because, again, it seems like you kind of know what you need to do. I think it's easy to grasp. The concept is easy to grasp. Um, up until the winner of the FedEx Cup. That, to me, is um, a little questionable. Right. And the main reason is because the person who wins Tour Championship doesn't necessarily win the FedEx right. Cup. And so also there have been scenarios where uh, a person's finished with their round and he's projected to win the FedEx Cup only if certain people fall a certain number on uh at, at tour championship so right. it's like if you know dustin johnson is projected to win only if justin thomas finishes solo third but now right. he's finished with his round and xander Schauffele is tied for third going into the last hole and it's like so many different scenarios that are happening um to where it's out of dustin's hand like right so that to me is a little confusing mm -hmm. um but as far as the overall system i feel like it makes sense mm -hmm. um there just needs to be maybe another uh graphic on the screen showing live projections uh and what each putt really means and and, and whatnot now yeah what i was gonna ask you when you're out there um on some of the leaderboards they do i think they do kind of show that or, or how often are you checking that kind of stuff is it just after a round or is it during a round or, or both i think it's too complicated to do during a okay. round because if i have a five footer it doesn't matter you know how much this is worth right right how many points is it worth am i going to move um you know 10 spots on the the fedex cup or just five and you know getting into it you just do your best mm -hmm. and i feel like that's what we've been trained to do just mm -hmm. kind of do your best um Nothing makes us try harder. Nothing makes us try any less. A uh, perfect example is, uh, let's see, I played in a pro-am yesterday. I played in Morgan Hoffman's uh, pro-am okay. uh, for his charity, the Morgan Hoffman Foundation. And there were two holes where if you made a hole-in-one on a par three, you won a BMW, right? Like, that's really cool. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now I'm going to really try hard. Yeah. And it's like, well... Just because I really try hard doesn't mean I'm actually going to win sure. the BMW and make a hole-in-one. And it's like, well, even if I do, then I might as well do that for the rest of my life. Like, I'll just try <laughs> right. really hard from now on <laughs> right. to make a hole-in-one right. on every par three that I make. And it just doesn't go like that. It's like, you know, you just you set up, you make the right choice with club selection. You feel like, uh, you know, based on the win, the right club uh, shot selection, if you want to draw or fade it, and you just try your best. Um I think there are uh, bigger consequences for being too aggressive or not mm -hmm. aggressive enough, and that might lead us to certain 
club choices. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't matter what's on the line. We're all trying our best. So I take it you didn't win a BMW. I, I didn't win a BMW. <laughs> Did yeah, you get I'm, good I'm, shots I'm, on those holes? Or? Uh, I actually, no. One of the holes <laughs> I hit in the water. <laughs> I hit in the other hole, <laughs> the one filled yeah. with water. But, um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it was a great tournament, a great foundation yeah, how- that uh, – that is for a great cause. Sure, sure. Um, speaking of other other playoffs, it seems like you have a knack for getting into playoffs in general. Your your loanweb.com tour win was a playoff. Your two PGA Tour wins were playoffs. And you, you mentioned you, you finally lost in a playoff. I was going to say, you're like, you have the magic touch in playoffs. But what is it about that? Is it just coincidence? And, and how, how do you approach the playoff once you're in, in it? Uh, I... I wish I didn't win in playoffs. It's a little more <laughs> stressful than yeah. uh, than it looks. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to be on the winning end of two out of the three playoffs. It would have been nice to to win all three and be undefeated. But you know, that's golf. Sometimes they go and sometimes they don't. Yeah. And for me, uh, I think two, the two tour wins that I had were come from behind. Okay. And so I'm always chasing. You know, I'm, I'm not a front runner and. Mm-hmm. Uh, been in that position once or twice before it's just very foreign to me um and so i'm one of those guys that if i if i'm in the lead going into the last round i might just bogey the first hole on purpose you know i i've seen that movie uh secretariat where yeah, yeah. he kind of pulls back he needs to just uh-huh. see his competitor eye to eye and just know that yeah. he's better than the other person <laughs> and then they're the last straightaway, they, yeah. you know, he makes a move, and I feel like I'm that guy. You know, I I just need to see a little more competition, hmm. feel the adrenaline rush, make a bogey on the first. Now I'm tied for the lead. Maybe bogey the second on purpose. Um, now I'm one back, and then from there, I feel like I'm in such a comfortable position to where hmm. I can just fire at flags. I'm in the zone. I know what I'm doing. Whereas the leader, they're always trying to protect the lead. Right. Um, and so, you know, hopefully I. Fi- if and when I get in that position more often, I can learn how to right. close the deal. Um, but as for now, I feel like I'm in a good position where I can chase someone down, make a lot of birdies coming down the stretch, um, and possibly get into another playoff and win there. Sure. Well, obviously that first one was it got you so much acclaim and everything. When you beat Paul Casey and Dustin Johnson uh, in that playoff, you made the you. He looked like he was going to maybe win. He had a great shot in there, I think, on the third playoff hole, and then you made a long birdie. But how, you know, what was that whole experience like looking back on it? And now, now that Dustin Johnson's number one in the world and everything else, like that, you can say you, you took right. him down in a playoff. Uh, yeah, we all know that Dustin Johnson's a great player, uh, Hall of Famer. Um, we knew he was going to get to top to the top spot in the world ranking. Right. Um, so to take him down, uh, even Paul Casey, he, you know, sure. he's arguably top 10 golfer in the world as well um you know it, it, i just felt like that week it was just my week um and to be able to win that golf tournament in la in my home state mm-hmm. um you know it was very special to me and it was the week before my daughter was born mm-hmm. so a lot of great memories just that entire week uh that i'll just draw back on those experiences for the rest of my life um but just but just as far as uh, being in that position and feeling the nerves, you know, you don't really know you're going to win mm-hmm. until after you see the ball go in and, and see Dustin's not go in. Um, and, you know, it's 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 amazing. Uh, I've been in a couple other playoffs bef- before um, on the Canadian tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've – and the web.com mm-hmm. tour. And so, uh, to me – being in a playoff, drawing on those experiences, uh, I felt like helped a lot uh, in that position. That was also the week that I think everybody kind of learned the story of you being a, a sale, former shoe salesman uh, when you were kind of struggling trying to make your way in tour. T- you know, tell me a little about that. I know you worked at, uh, was it two Nordstroms? or and, and you said you were a good salesman, and I can see it. Like you're, you're a great talker. So what was that like? And, you know, yeah. So I worked at Nordstrom let's see in college okay during the summer and then after i had graduated turned pro lost all my money couldn't find a sponsor so needed to raise my own funds uh i called one of my best friends joe brazell who still works for nordstrom uh and said hey i need to make some money um do you think i can work for you for a little bit just to get my my 
feet back on track yeah. and uh, make some money to save up money to to give this pro thing another shot. And he said yes. So I, I worked at the one in Pleasanton, California, and the one in Walnut Creek. Um, I worked at the Walnut Creek location after college and the one in Pleasanton during college. Okay. And uh, some of the best years that I've, best months that I've had in my life, uh, it's different having a nine to five, mm-hmm. putting on a suit to work, uh, punching in, yeah. getting a paycheck every two weeks. It's a different lifestyle. It's something that I enjoyed because it was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money was, it wasn't great, but it was good enough to where I could save up, mm-hmm. still live with my parents, and ultimately get myself back uh, into the pro game. Uh, but man, I had so much fun. The people that I've met there, the conversations that we had, uh, constantly doing air golf swings in the <laughs> mirror, and people thinking that I'm crazy, <laughs> yeah. uh, but also seeing. Right. You know the the customers in Nordstrom doing the same exact thing when okay. their wives are looking yeah. for shoes. I mean, they're they're checking out their swing in right. the same mirror that I'm checking my swing out. Right. And we'll talk about golf. You know, hey, we're, you know, where do you like to go play and this right. and that. And uh, it's it's honestly some of the best hmm. times that I've had in my life and uh, something that I don't ever regret. Yeah, were, were you working on any commission or anything like that? I mean, was there any motivation to sell? more shoes yes there was there was uh we worked on commission there was a base salary but you also had the option of taking your commission solely your commission and whichever was higher so you can either do your base or your commission and my commission was loads higher than than my base so i had sold a lot of shoes back in the days and uh was pretty good at it could have made a living out of it uh (laughs) if i stayed in it but i feel like I made a good choice. Yes, I think so. Was it mostly men's shoes, mostly women's shoes, a mix? Just women's shoes. Just women's just shoes. Women's wow. Shoes. Yeah. So did you have to like learn about women's shoes or did you just kind of BS it? Uh, <laughs> kind of a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, you, you definitely know enough uh, about shoes in general to, to sell them. Uh, but, you know, women's shoes, is, it's a different animal. Yeah. You know, you just, <laughs> you got to get the perfect fit. It has to look good. It has to be the right heel yeah. height. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, Nordstrom, I mean, some of these shoes are really expensive. Right? Yes. I mean, what's like maybe the most expensive pair you uh, recall selling? I think there were a pair of, uh, let's see, Stuart Weitzman. They range from two to 300. Okay. Yeah, they're not over the top okay, okay. At, at Nordstrom well, gotcha. because they're also for the everyday people. Gotcha. Um, they sell a lot of specialty shoes for proms and weddings okay. and stuff like that. But you're not getting the, you know, I, th- I think they actually also used to sell Jimmy Choo. I'm not sure. I haven't been there in a long time. Okay. But you're not getting the shoes that are $1,000. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I read also that when you were on the Canadian tour a little later, and obviously, you know, love to hear just how you kind of persevered through years before you even got to the web.com tour. I mean, people think you just kind of like, turn pro and go to the web.com tour. I mean, it doesn't work like that, but that you also at one point were so low on funds that you were looking on Craigslist for, for jobs. Right. I mean, is that how? So it was my, let's see, third year as a pro. My first year I went broke, played on the mini tours, quit, worked at Nordstrom, worked at uh, an advertising agency also, hmm. um, and did that. Decided to try the pro thing again. My first year back, played on the Korean tour for a year, came back with uh, some money in my pocket and decided to go the Canadian tour route. So I played there for two years until I got my web.com tour card. And at the end of the first year, kind of midway end of the season, uh, I was just running out of money. wasn't making enough money. Um, We were paying our own airplane ticket, our own hotel fees, caddy fee, rental car, food, gas, I mean, all your expenses. So uh, it's expensive to travel. And I didn't realize how expensive, but I was just kind of making it work. And I got to the Edmonton Open and had a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. Uh, Didn't feel like I had enough to really finish the rest of the season out. So I went on Craigslist and was looking for jobs again. Uh, Kind of a, a low point in my career to where you don't really want to give up on the game twice. Right. Uh, and you don't know how much longer you have until you're not as good anymore, mm-hmm. or as competitive. And 
for me, I just kind of looked myself in the mirror and, and asked myself, what are all the reasons why I was not successful the second time around? Well, to me, it was because I was making the same mistakes that I made the first time around. I'm staying out late. I'm not putting <laughs> the hours in. I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Or I'm having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I feel like on the mini tours, you're not supposed to have fun. You're not allowed to have fun. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be grinding. You're supposed to be pissed off because you're on the mini tours. Right. Um, and once I realized that, I decided, you know what, if this is my last week as a pro, not only am I going to appreciate it more than anyone else, but I'm going to outgrind everyone else. Mm. And uh, that's what I did that week, finished eighth, mm-hmm. um, made a couple thousand dollars, enough to finish out the rest of the season, and just kept that same attitude the following year. Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, making the right choices. I was playing a lot better, putting in more hours, and uh, finally paid off the following year. Go back to the same golf tournament in Edmonton. Had so many great memories. Looked at myself where I was exactly 365 days later and said, that's really good that I'm able to sustain out being out on the web doc, uh, the Canadian tour, but I was still pissed off. Why am I in this situation still? Right. And so I uh, did the same exact thing. You know, I just said, you know what? just not happy being here and I want to let all my friends know that I'm not happy I'm not happy being here I'm not happy competing against you guys I feel like there's a bigger calling for me and so uh ended up winning that week in Edmonton wow. won again in Port of Art uh, went to Q school uh made it all the way through to the final stage uh earned my web.com mm-hmm. tour card and basically kept that same mentality all the way through um it's helped me get to where I am now it's helped me win two PGA Tour events, one web.com tour event, two Canadian tour events. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how to win. I know what it's like to be on the other side. I know what it's like to sleep in my car. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like not having any money mm-hmm. and possibly thinking if this is the right career path for me. Right. Um, and I just feel like at this point, if there's anything that I could do to motivate or help kids and anything that I do or say would be just don't ever give up on your dreams and if you want something in life no one's going to give it to you it's Mm -hmm. not going to be packaged it's not going to be you know there's no bow tie uh, at the end of your web.com tour card you know or your PGA tour card it's like you earn it and you earn it through sweat you earn it through tears you earn it through blood and that's how I've earned my PGA Tour card. It's a lot easier for some other guys that are, have come out of college and, you know, can't miss kids. And right. they think it's really easy to get their PGA Tour card and win their first year on tour. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, all, that's all great. But uh, I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. And I'm an everyday guy. If you see me, you know, I'm, I've, I've worked a nine-to-five. I've, yeah. I've wore a suit to work before. Um, I know what it's like. And uh, and. I'm living proof that anything is possible. Sure. Could you imagine at that point, um, at, at the low point, that now you're about to surpass 10 million in PGA Tour earnings? I mean, can you at that point could you have ever envisioned that? No, it's yeah. it's amazing. But also, it's and do you know that? Do you realize lot, no, that? No, I, I, I do. Right, yeah, you're like I'm, 9.8 I'm close. right now. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I'm definitely blessed to be in this position. Uh, not complaining about anything finance-wise in my life. Uh, it's great. It's great to be me, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it would. Uh, there, to, it, another thing that, you know, uh, one of my really good friends was. He is grinding on the web.com tour, and he had just uh, written something, and it was like something along the lines of when will we ever know that enough is enough? Because, mm-hmm. you know, 10 million is great, but 11 million is better. Right. And 11 right. million is better, but 12 million is really, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? That much more better. And, yeah. 12, you know, and it, it can, it just goes on forever. Yeah. So when are we content? When are we happy enough? And so, uh, having that attitude, that mentality of, you know what, I'm, if my career ended today, that, would I be happy? Would I be content? And I would be 100% hmm. content because, you know, I, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm yeah. one of those guys that kind of got lucky. Hmm. Um, I, I 
lucky to win two PGA Tour events. Those playoffs could have gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I, you know, there's a lot of golf left in me. I feel like I can win the FedEx Cup. I feel like I can win a lot more golf tournaments. I can win majors. Uh, but also to realize that it can end any day now, and I'm so grateful to be in this position. Sure. Well, yeah, it seems like you're very grateful. I, I read a, an interview with your wife, Stephanie, and she said you cut your own hair and you go on Craigslist to find the best deals on, on stuff. Is this all? I mean, this is crazy. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, is that- yeah um, that's that's my personality. Yeah. You know, I'm. I, I always feel like I'm the poorest guy in the room. Mm. You know, my. We, my brother and I, my my dad and my mom, we grew up in humble beginnings, and uh, they've instilled that in me that you know, it's what what's the cost of a dollar? Like mm-hmm. what, you know, what what can you buy with it? And you have to make all these choices of, and this is how I got through the Canadian tour was, you know, having that extra beer over dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be five or six bucks, right? You know, but you have a beer over dinner every single night, right, you know, right, that adds up. Right. And over the course of a season, that adds up. And when I'm struggling at the end of the season and I might not have enough money for my airplane ticket or my mm-hmm. hotel fee for a golf tournament, well, that's an opportunity that I might miss. Right. And what's the opportunity cost on that is, mm-hmm. well, I could possibly win that golf tournament. could cost me $20,000 yeah. right. Canadian right at the time. And, uh, what's the the cost on that well if i didn't have that extra money maybe i won't be able to afford q school right so if i don't afford q school well maybe i don't make it to the web.com tour if i don't make it to the web.com tour maybe i don't make it to the pga tour well that now it's you know two after two pga tour wins that beer yeah is probably equivalent to 10 million dollars <laughs> you know what i mean like right, so that's right. kind of where my mind goes yeah um on how how important it is how important money is for a guy who's just starting out Mm -hmm. uh and you know me being a numbers guy you know i i understand that i can afford a lot of things in life um that most average guys can't because of my earnings on the pga tour but uh i think i will end up cutting my hair for a really long time i've gotten two haircuts this year one on the road got a roadie haircut and it was terrible okay and i paid like 20 bucks for yeah. it right so i'm too cheap to yeah. to get a haircut more than 20 bucks yeah. i feel like if you can't cut my hair in, in four minutes yeah. and be less than 20 bucks then obviously i'm doing something wrong or you're right. doing something right, wrong right, right. Um, and every time i get home from a haircut i have to get the trimmers out fix, and trim it all, fix it all myself so it's like why don't i why didn't i do that in the first place save myself 20 bucks uh, and then I also feel like, you know, I'm a huge, huge Craigslist fan. You can yep. buy, see so many deals yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on Craigslist. Um, what's I bought, a good deal you've got? What's recently? a good deal? Yeah. Man. Um, <laughs> I bought a car on Craigslist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've sold a car on Craigslist. Okay. You know, it's it's just super easy. Um, I bought I'm, a car too. That's my. That's the only time I've used Craigslist. Yeah. But it was great. It was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. it's 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 real life people yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to get rid of their stuff. Right. And exactly. Who wouldn't want a a good deal? Um, most recently, looking into upgrading my phone, so you can buy buy a lot of different phones on Craigslist. Um, uh, like a brand new iPhone, like mm-hmm. an iPhone X, they're over what a thousand dollars. Two hundred fifty six gigs. You're looking at twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, Craigslist, you can buy that for like seven fifty, right? I mean, they might they might right. say they want nine hundred dollars, right. but they really don't want nine hundred dollars. So you can bargain like, with they, these yeah, guys. Oh yeah, too. oh yeah. So you, you that's know, your sales back. Yeah, that's my sale. But you know, when I when I do these right. transactions, um, I have to make sure I wear a baseball hat and right. kind of disguise myself because yeah, once yeah. they find out that I'm James Hong, they're like, "Hey, aren't you that guy?" It's like, you know what? No, I want a thousand dollars for this phone. So they, <laughs> right, right, right. you know, my cover's blown. Right, and 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 your wife also said you set up some kind of social media page when you were on the web tour to like, kind of broadcast your your travel deals. I mean, was that to help other people and it was on tour it was and- kind of, kind of both. Um, it all started <laughs> off, 
you know, I I consider myself the Priceline king. Okay. Uh, I've gotten the best deals on Pricelines, uh, getting four star hotels for forty two bucks on the web.com wow. tour. You know, I'm I'm that guy. And right, it's like right, right. everyone thought I was the richest guy in the room because I'm staying at, <laughs> you know, the Ritz Carlton, yeah, yeah, yeah. the W, you know, the West End and all these great hotels and it's like no actually i'm staying there for 60 dollars a night like how much are you paying you know so it finally turned into uh a facebook page uh and i call it what'd you get because everyone would come up to me and say hey you know that hotel you're staying like what'd you get like how much you pay for it so um and i would go on there and say you know i got the three and a half star Marriott suites for forty five bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people would post on there what they got for it. And it's uh it's kind of a competition, but also at the same time, guys that just don't know how to use the website are paying retail price or the price line price, right. which could be two times as much hmm. as, you know, uh an express deal or a okay. name your own price deal. So um Priceline has changed a lot since then. Uh you're not getting as many good deals, okay. but I'm still working the system. I can't exactly give away all my secrets <laughs> okay. on the podcast, but uh, yeah. Um, read that you are a big Shark Tank fan. I am as well. I wonder who is your favorite shark, and also do you have any products that you've ever thought of pitching on the show? Oof, my favorite shark is Mark Cuban by far. Really? Yeah. Okay. He is smart. Yeah. Um, I am not a big fan of O'Leary Mr. Really? Wonderful Mr. because Wonderful. all he offers yeah. are royalties the royalty and it's deal. like and no okay, one takes it gets them. old no yeah. yeah it's like hey uh, yeah. you know <laughs> I only want 15% of your product <laughs> right, right, but right, right. I want yeah. royalties and it's like no yeah. it, it for the rest work. of your life yeah. you a dollar <laughs> yeah. every coin so um, yeah I, I don't like it no one ever okay. takes it um, I feel like what Cuban does very well is he's always the last person to speak if you ever watch a show, right? Yep. He's the last because yep. if he knows it's a good deal, yep. he wants the other sharks to yep. to say no. Like, oh, it's not for me, you know, I'm out, right. I'm out, I'm out. Now he's the one one left. And he has the most at that point bargaining power because right. he's the last shark. And the person, if it's a great product, he's not gonna show his cards. Right. Right. And say, hey, you know, I'd I'd buy in two hundred thousand dollars for fifty percent. Right. You know, he knows he can get it for know a lot right, right, right more or less than that so um he's also got like 10 times as much money yeah as else. yeah so exactly just swoop in. exactly yeah. he he probably has the most people that can also oversee some of these deals right, too right, right, i mean right, that right. show's been on for what about four or five years now oh more i mean yeah. if they've accepted on average uh 10 um products a season yeah You're looking at 50 deals yeah. right over hundreds of millions of dollars maybe right worth of uh uh you know product development and all that so i mean he probably has somebody else overseeing oh, sure. all that but um sure. yeah it's it's a great show it's you, a great show any products have you ever thought or no you know i've i've, I've had products that are just not as good as not ready not, not ready, ready for the tank. So, yeah some of the things that the one uh the one uh I guess product that I thought was very interesting was the ring product. Have you heard oh about that? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, they passed right? on it. They all passed on and it. It's the biggest the guy, one ever. Yeah. The yeah. guy ended up selling it for like yeah. a couple billions, billions yeah. of dollars. Uh, Unreal. So it's, it's amazing. It's, you know, the American dream. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, you're in New York city this week, obviously any, um, any plans to do anything else? I know you said you're, you're very focused now. It's, it, this is your job. This is a big tournament, but any plans to go to the city, do anything like that? No, or? not not really. Um, Maybe when you used to come to the city. When I, yeah, yeah, when when my family comes with me, then sure. we'll definitely try to spend a day and, and go sightseeing or go to the zoo or something. Um, this week, it's all business. Okay. Uh, my daughter starts school this week, and so I'm traveling by myself, which okay. means I can get up as early as I want, stay out as late, late as I want practicing. Yeah. Don't have to worry about late dinners right, right, or... Right. Uh, or waking up the baby early yeah. in the morning. So I kind of, on my own schedule, which allows me to practice as much as I want and hopefully come away with another trophy. I know earlier in the year you said uh, you had some comments about the fans, and I think it was at the match play, but New York City, the fans can be pretty rowdy. You're at, obviously, that's been a topic this year. Are there any concerns about that in particular, like a week this week? Yeah, uh, in, uh, I think it was the tournament in Austin, the WGC event. Uh, in the middle of my backswing, the guy's standing 
probably 15, 20 feet away from me, uh, just yells on my backswing, like yeah. full on yell, um, get in the hole. Yeah. And it was deliberate. It was uncalled for, yeah. uh, ended up sculling the, the shot over the green, uh, ended up making Bowie lose the, the match the next hole. And so, you know, a lot of it's on me because, um, you know, and I've gotten a lot of pushback from the fans uh, on social media about this. And, you know, I don't want it to come off the wrong way. Yeah. But for us, if I if I uh, feel like that's going to happen and I just acknowledge like, OK, the fans are going to get rowdy. They're going to yell on your backswing. They're gonna, something's going to happen. And if I allow it to distract me versus me just welcoming it and saying, okay, that's golf. Just keep playing. Don't get mad. Um, and just try to execute the next shot. I feel like that will help me out more because, uh, getting mad and yelling at the fan or talking back or just saying some smart ass thing that I've heard a lot of other golfers say, um, that it just doesn't work out well, you know, because now you're in a a different mood you might be angry you might make a bad choice club selection you might swing harder on the next one to get some of the aggression out and it just does never end up well and so for me it, you know my, my caddy mark urbanic he basically just said hey just 10 times around it's gonna happen 10 times right. around and just accept it and move on and if it doesn't happen 10 times and great if it happens right. more than 10 times and it's okay no big deal just move on but it expected to happen 10 times and if we do that then the second, third, fourth, fifth time that it happens, it's like, okay, well, you know, well, we're expecting 10 and we're halfway there. No right. big deal. Right. But um, before I used to get really aggravated that, you know, hey, you know, these fans, some of these fans, I'm not saying all fans, of course. Yeah. Uh, some of the fans are disrespectful. They're disrespecting the game. They, you know, they're all quiet when Tiger hits because everyone's watching them. Right, right, right. But they're not watching all the other groups that are surrounding that hole and the guys yelling uh, things at them which affects us and uh you know just it's just uncalled for but sure that's the nature of the game sure. you know when you have a couple hundred thousand people come out during the weekend that you know you're gonna get a handful of guys especially when they're serving alcohol of course sure just that. a couple i know we, you gotta go um you had that great quick video on scratch a couple years ago that your swing thought was i'm the best effing player in the world is that still yeah. your swing thought before uh <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that i mean it's it's yeah. uh it's worked for yeah. me, and it's, <laughs> it's um, so it, it helps me be confident over the ball. Yeah. It helps me try to execute certain shots, and the pin locations that we have this week as far as any other week that we have, they're tucked in these tough, tough pin locations, corners of the, of the green where you know, you're really penalized for a bad shot. So when you have uh, that mentality, then you feel like you can really execute any shot. Sure. Well, thank you so much, James. Good luck this week. Thanks again to James Hahn for joining us and Joel, uh, you know, we got to wrap up here, but uh, I want to touch on a couple things first. Let's talk about the most under the radar story of the week. And I think that was CT Pan and the fact that his wife, Michelle, was filling in for him at the Wyndham, Wyndham Championship. He almost wins for his first time, and yet he kind of knocks her through under the bus with her, her caddying skills. I mean, what, what was up with that? It actually brought flashbacks to I caddied for my wife one time, and we were on a par four. It was like 400 yards, and she had like 180, and she takes out, and she's trying to clear the water. And I go, what are you doing? Like, just please, just go left. And she goes right for it. And as a ball in the air, I'm like, good. I hope it goes in the water. And then she sticks it to seven feet. So I've never felt more emasculated, but at the same time proud of somebody. But uh, the whole rest of the the weekend, she was just killing my caddy skills. Wasn't listening to anything. And I don't don't doubt her, too. I I let her on. So uh, 
I understand where Mrs. Pan. I understand her pain. Put it well, that way. Well, I was just glad that there were these pictures of them hugging and smiling after it was over because on Saturday, CT said, "quote She doesn't help me much." Now he did later say that he she helps with the mental side, but then he said basically compared her to any other caddy, and he said the, the famous caddy creed credo of uh, show up. Keep up and shut up. And he's, I mean, he's talking about his wife. I mean, that was, but anyway, they, they still got 7%. <laughs> I don't know what she got, but she deserves a lot because he finished second. Although, I will say, on Getty, there were so many pictures of him picking up the bag and carrying it, especially when they were going up hills and stuff. So he was, you know, he's being very sweet, very romantic. But that 18th hole, Maybe he was tired when he hit that try out of bounds, all the lifting he was doing. So maybe he took that out of her pay. We'll see. Um, next up, we have our pros are just like us. And this one is actually not a funny story. Uh, I want to preface that. Kevin Stadler, a name who really hasn't been in the headlines for years, got back in the headlines for kind of the wrong reasons. He's playing in a web.com tour event. He gets frustrated with um, a shot on a part three. He slams his seven iron into the ground. The shaft breaks. The club that goes to the crowd hits a guy. He needs six stitches. And, uh, you know, I know this kind of, you know, it didn't hit out right away because even uh, Sean McKeel was playing with him, wrote about it, but didn't even name Stadler by name. This was Nuts. I mean, the, they had to call the hospital or the ambulance or something. The poor yeah. guy was bleeding profusely. Yeah, I haven't seen that much blood in years. Yeah, yeah. 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 was very yeah. descriptive of the moment. Um, yeah, you feel bad for Sailor. It, it sounds like he immediately knew what he did was wrong, and he certainly wasn't. If you, if you hear other pros jump up, they said Sailor's never lets his anger on anybody else. It's just at himself, and yeah. I think a lot of golfers have been there. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to think, though. Have there ever been any moments like that personally that I've done? I, I've seen somebody break a club on a on a windshield before and it cracked cracked the windshield it sent uh like the the fiberglass in someone else's leg what? they finished the round they actually wrapped a towel around the leg because there's two holes left um oh my god personally i've never never snapped a club or mostly because i'm too oh, cheap you? of course not i'm too cheap oh, yeah same i would Can't never do that. do that i would never throw i i get really upset but i never throw clubs or slam clubs uh i saw a, a friend once wrap one around a tree and it was I've just like a, so I've a golf ball in the woods I think before yeah. after like a bad bad putt and I saw the same friend once hit his golf bag so hard that he broke his golf bag and I'm like I've seen that in a high school so match actually stupid. there was a kid who would smack his bag at the same spot yeah and three different points of the round his uh, iron shafts would break all in the same spot where he was hitting the yeah, club it was, it was great like, I don't know what's going on like well yeah <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. obvious what's going on there buddy but uh, yeah but obviously to do it with crowd around you know this was a fluke thing let's mm-hmm. be honest I feel and Kevin Stadler apparently felt terrible mm-hmm. about it they had to you know kind of this partners had to kind of keep him going but uh man that that's that's pretty bad Sean McKeel maybe he should have said it's the most bloody scene since Chad Campbell punched himself repeatedly in the face for losing to him at the PJ Championship <laughs> worst thing this is apparently Sean McKeel's last, yeah, last event. event apparently he's a, calling it so that's well, he's, going, he's going to the senior tour senior tour yeah, excuse yeah. me excuse this is his last event uh, and on the web yeah that's what it was on the web yeah yeah he's, at least he's one 50 out years the... old Sean McKeel that'll make you feel old doesn't yeah, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we got to end with a uh, incredible stat to tell you, and it's one of these stats that's like I, I think it's pretty interesting. Tiger Woods is still. This is now we're into the what the twelfth FedEx. It started in two thousand seven, so this is the twelfth FedEx Cup playoffs. He's still the only person to win two FedEx Cup titles. He won two of the first three, and when you think about it, he really won his first two because he sat out in mm-hmm. two thousand eight. Um, I, I think it's pretty amazing. And I know, Joel, you and I are talking about it. it there's, it's just weird, the FedEx Cup. It's tough to establish any sort of consistency. There's only 10 guys who have even qualified for the playoffs. We're talking top 125. 10 people have qualified for Throughout all the, 12. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's an interesting list, too. It's Snedeker, mm-hmm. uh, who we mentioned earlier, then Charlie Hoffman, Charles Howe III, who John Feinstein had a great piece yes, on, on how yes, yes. Uh, on the website. If you haven't ch- uh, checked that out yet, please please do, do so. Zach Johnson, Matt Kuchar, Phil Mickelson, Ryan Moore, which actually kind of caught me. I mean, Ryan Moore's had a very good career, but never, you know, it seems like right. it's, he's been a roller coaster. Then uh, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, and Bubba Watson. So really mm-hmm. interesting list there. Um, and it's a list that's only going to get shorter here in the next couple of years, yeah. too. So it's especially with Phil's going to be the interesting one, how long Phil rides this out. I mean, he's nearing circuit, you know, uh, champion circuit. Uh, so uh, 
No, it's it's a it's a very short group. It was up to thirteen, but Sergio, yeah. uh, Sergio Garcia, Luke Donald, Bill Haas all missed this year. I was gonna say Bill Haas. I have a tear come rolling down the side of my eye. It, it quite a streak. I can't believe that he's been a, on a tour that long. But yeah, it, it it's tough. And there, you know, there was that whole stretch where guys who won the won the FedEx Cup didn't even make it back to the Tour Championship mm-hmm. the next year. I know for a while, Hunter Mann was actually the guy who had played in the most consecutive playoff events. That streak obviously ended a while ago. Although we're back at Ridgewood, his I know mm-hmm. he's this was the site of his. I think his last win, um, 2014. But yeah, it's just interesting that um, I, I bet even Tiger would be surprised that no one has equaled his feat of of winning the two. And, and the last time Tiger played, he almost won again. I think he was second mm-hmm. in, in 2013. So we'll Justin see. Thomas is a pretty good uh, Thomas, shot this year. Yep. Comes in starting second. Right. Um, right. Rory's hurting himself by not by skipping not that first event. Spieth is starting Spieth's 40th, I believe, in the in the standings. So tough. he's there's it's it's gonna be there. But you know when Rory won a couple of years ago, I think he started 35th. So and guys outside the top, even the top 60, still have a chance. Kind yeah, of going in. I just looked this up. Billy Billy Horschel was 69 mm-hmm. when he won in 2014. So, you know, all it takes is a couple hot weeks, uh, obviously, at the right time. This is this is the best time to do it overall. You've got that 10 million bonus. Hey, who knows? Brant Snedeker could be coming for another, <laughs> another bonus, something. man. He's, uh, he's eyeing that big check again. It is amazing, though. After kind of the rough start, it really has turned into a, a true postseason playoff. Seems like guys, and, and more importantly, the fans have really bought into this. Obviously not in the same vein as, as a major, but uh, for – what this started in the 2007 it's really built into something i think golf fans have really been excited for and proud of i agree i mean look tiger woods would not be at this event if it wasn't mm-hmm. a playoff event let's be honest he used to skip the the buick or the barclays whatever it was when it was at westchester he used to skip it all the time he, he actually did skip it the first year of the fans yep. cup playoffs but that was when the, the point structure was a little more lenient for that so you know it, it gets the big stars out i know we have unfortunately some guys who may be a little banged up Ricky, mm-hmm. Henrik, um, Rory searching mentally. So we have a few of the big names not playing this week, but overall, it's a pretty darn good feel. Exactly what you want, and trust me, fans are going to be out in full force this oh, week. Yeah. Gonna be. Although today, it's funny, we were walking around. I mean, we're not exaggerating. 90% of the people on the grounds were on one hole. You can guess who they were following. It was not, it was not, it was not Harold Varner. It was not, yeah, sorry, 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 Harold. It was not Harold. It was Tiger Woods. Uh, yeah, he so he the man the man still draws quite a crowd, but I'm sure it'll be a little more. Uh, the other ten percent was following Phil Mickelson and Rob. <laughs> and yeah, Rob. yeah. All right. Well, anyway, thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Joel and I are excited. It's going to be a, a great week out here at the Ridgewood Country Club for the Northern Trust, the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Thanks again to James Hahn for joining us. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And please check back next week to see who our guest is.